Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the Backyard Banter podcast, the Jack Bauer episode of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, my name is Matt Harmon. I'm the host here of the show. Every time you tune in, we are here talking to some of the best people from the fantasy football community, uh, football Twitter, all this and that. And today we have uh, a great member of of both of those communities. Uh, we have Patrick Doherty from Roto World, or as he's better known by his uh Twitter username Rotopat. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I got a number of initial thoughts. I couldn't think of what the 24th episode should be christened, but the Jack Bauer episode, no way I could have done better than that. That and, literally just came to me right now. Yeah. And then the Rotopat thing, you know, I'm trying to learn to embrace it because my real name, you know, Patrick Darty, is too, it was like one or two characters too long to be my at handle. So I had to, like, you know, I had to condense it down. And it was right when I was starting at Roto World, and I was like, I guess I could be Roto Pat or Pat Roto. And but I thought Roto Pat was like just like unbelievably cheesy, but I just kind of had like a screw it moment and went with it. And now, like especially like anyone at Roto World, like Evan literally never calls me Pat. Like, yeah. like no matter what, it's like and I am or like on the phone in a conference call, it's just Roto Pat. Roto. Everyone just calls me Roto Pat, and. Everyone seems to love it and think it's actually cool. I've, it's taken me a long time to come to terms with it. It's not super lame, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, it's part of my life goal over the next five years to embrace Rotopat. There you go. It's important to have goals. I feel like that's a theme yeah. of this podcast is, is goals. So that's a good one that you've set for yourself right there. Hey, at least you don't have the heinous underscore in your, uh, in your uh, username. No. Which... Yeah, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not a second-class citizen. All right, cool. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> 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 but it's it is i mean matt Harmon is a pretty generic there's like a thousand matt Harmons, and uh i don't know i just went with the underscore back when i was like first starting and every, yeah. now it's like i can't change it because that would change too much oh, of yeah, my life screw up the hashtag brand and absolutely patrick patrick Jardy seems like an uncommon name but you know there's a lot of irish uh people with irish ancestry in america here and like literally one of my best friends is named patrick doherty I'm D A D O U and he's D O U. He's like he's like literally one of my best friends. So that's been that's kind of surreal and weird. That's true. A, a surreal Rotopat fact right there. Wow, there um, you go. Does he so, have yeah. a, does he have a username that people call him? Oh. No, he's not a he's not really a member of football Twitter. <laughs> uh, well, he's a member of football Twitter, English football is his his game. Oh, the, but yeah. The superior so my, football Twitter, I get it. Cool. Yeah, probably. Right. So yeah, one of my best friends has my exact name. So growing up, yeah, I thought it was like this weird name, but it's actually not. That's a tremendous fact. If I was ever to do like a a contest with this podcast and like podcast trivia, that would definitely be one of. <laughs> Which guest has a friend with the same name? Exactly. Yeah, Evan Silva's. Yeah, Evan was not like yeah. One of my best friends is named Evan Silva. Isn't that mind blowing? Yeah, Only right. I. That, so. Seriously, that's that's unique content. Uh, another theme of the podcast. You're really hitting. You're checking a lot of boxes here, right away, Pat. This this is tremendous. Um, so, anyways, let's let's get to you a little bit here. I always start the podcast asking the guest, "How did you come to kind of fall in love with football or fantasy sports?" Take us through kind of your your history into coming into your own here. Oh boy, I boy. Hopefully, if I get long winded with this too, just. Uh, because I feel like when I tell like my origin story, which really is not interesting at all, that I can get way too long-winded. But, Listen, we're all we're all writers. We're all inherently egotistical people, anyways. So it, it, if you get long-winded, it's right on cue with everybody else. So don't worry about it. 
But yeah, so I don't know. If we were to start from the beginning, I mean, I was one of those kids where I was obsessed with sports, uh, probably age six or seven. So, you know, I'm from St. Louis, and I think the summer where I turned seven was 1993. And for whatever reason, like that's – I think maybe I'd been into sports a little before that, but I like, hadn't been crazy about it. For some reason, the summer of 1993, the switch flipped where I became a Cardinals fanatic, which, you know, is like – part of the deal in St. Louis. It happened sooner or later, mm-hmm. but it happened to me when I was yeah six and seven. And like that summer, so I was like a six or seven year old kid. And that summer, like I started following the team like every day. We didn't have cable. I don't even know how many games were on cable back then, but sort of like really followed the team. I started reading the paper every day. And like, I felt like a pretty precocious kid, like reading the, the sports page and somewhere along the line, I don't know. I, I became one of those kids where I got obsessed with statistics and so that was kind of the origin of my sports. Like, uh, just somehow when I was six or seven years old, I got obsessed with stats, and it just kind of all took off from there. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's like a kid reading the paper. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, I, I don't know anything about baseball. Uh, if you listen to the <laughs> I podcast, think I heard you say that before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, certainly. I'm, and I will say there's a lot of things, and the guys at, at NFL can definitely back this statement up. If I have an opinion that is controversial i will often like or or like a contrarian opinion i'll often be like a little more pushy about it than i really intend to be like i don't despise baseball but to just to be a, a an but ass. you despise baseball right but to be an ass I'll, i will definitely play up that and uh, like yeah so anyways but i'd have heard that the cardinals are like the best fans in baseball or some stupid thing like that or like or like okay. that's sarcastically thrown around like a, from a lot of my friends at work that follow baseball yeah, I mean, so the origin story there was, like, so McGuire came to St. Louis in, like, 98, and, like, attendance, like, skyrocketed. And it was, like, right as the team kind of settled in, you know, this, like, humongous two-decade run they've been on. And at some point, maybe it was – I can't remember if it was Sports Illustrated or the Sporting News declared St. Louis the best sports team, sports city in America. And oh, then, like, the year 2000, like, the Cardinals kind of ran with it and used that marketing – to, I think I think it was like the year 2000. The Cardinals like took advantage of that and started marketing the fans as uh, the best fan in baseball. And yes, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, both negative and positive, over the past 15 years. Uh, I, I think they are great fans. To me, it's unfortunate. Part of it's like you know it comes with winning. Like people don't like the Spurs. People don't like not that the Cardinals are on the level of the Yankees, but like you compare the Cardinals to probably like someone like the Spurs who have like won a few titles in like 10 or 15 years and you can just get sick of the teams they are always winning. So I, I, that's part of the story I tell myself at least why people don't like Cardinals fans. It might not be true. Uh, we might just all be obnoxious idiots. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just have noted a few times that we've been out at happy hour and like some of the guys will pull up like posts of, of the, there's like Twitter accounts that like are just retweeting like awful Cardinals fans. Like, I know. Okay. And that really annoys me. So that, you know, this is the worst excuse, but like that's the kind of thing where you could do that with any fan base. Not oh, to yeah. excuse the racist, homophobic, awful Cardinals fans that tweet death threats at like you know really nice people, but I mean, that's the kind of I, that's so cherry picked to me. And again, it's unfortunate part of sports fandom in general. And I think maybe the Cardinals are just the unfortunate losers of the lottery for the team that got like really highlighted for that, but. Yeah, I would like to say that's in no way. That's like 0.05% of the fan base. That's probably an underestimate, but 
Sure. Well, I don't even know why I just decided to go down this road. I guess it's always because, like I said, I can't even convey that I have any interest in a topic related to baseball. So I never ask them like, guys, explain this to me because yeah. that might be that goes off my off my shtick there. Well, the Cardinals thing, it's gotten so bad for this year. Literally every uh, I don't know if they're doing it for the wins. I think they're only doing it for the losses. Every time the Cardinals lose this year, Deadspin is doing the post on it. <laughs> It's like the Cardinals lost their 21st game last night, and they do like a short post on it. And they seem committed to doing it for every loss. So that's going to be a nice feature of the summer here for Cardinals fans. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of games in baseball too. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, that's like a big time commitment. But they seem uh, seem ready to follow through on it. So well, hey, all the more power to you, Deadspin. I guess um, I have to. I'm not allowed to like Deadspin. I think as an NFL employee, I think that's part of the contract. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think their biggest rival was Breer, and he's gone now. So maybe maybe now you can uh, like them. I'm also not allowed to uh, admit that Albert Breer ever existed on planet Earth with the, <laughs> with the, with the way yeah, that he. Uh, of tight policies, I know. So yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. And nobody from work is ever going to listen to this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> or at least nobody with the ability to uh, fire or hire me, I hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's get off that subject really quick. Uh, so, Pat, how did you ever just, like get around to deciding you that you were going to take your passion for sports that you had growing up and especially statistics and, and uh, take that into covering the sport? Or actually, no, no, don't answer that question. Before we get to that. Talk, talk, talk to you, talk to me a little bit about like your origins with fantasy sports. Yeah. So, okay. Going back to like the beginning. So like the, the whole point of the Cardinals thing was that was kind of like the int- the gateway drug, you know, to the right. rest of sports. And so like basically from that age on, like I started consuming like all the sports content I could, you know, which there was lots less of in the nineties. So like, it's like reading the paper every day, like, reading sports illustrated every week, uh, you know, just whatever I could get my hands on kind of in, didn't have cable, which made things a little more complicated, but, you know, a lot more sports was on TV over the air back then. So, like, it basically didn't matter what, what the sport was, unless it was, like, NASCAR. I, besides, like, NASCAR, I watched, like, literally every sport. I was super into baseball, you know, got very into football, was extremely into the University of Mizzou, uh, you know, liked the Blues, loved the NBA. You know, it was Michael Jordan's heyday. Like, I loved – I even loved, like, tennis. Like, I would watch, like, Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras and – so I just had this like unabiding love of sports and was also a pretty big reader. And so at some point along the line, I, I just decided, I don't know, really, maybe when I was 15 or 16 that I just didn't want a, a normal job, you know? Mm-hmm. And like uh, my dad was, a, or it, my dad is, I was going to talk about the past tense. My dad's alive. He was a cartographer, a map maker until he was like probably 40 or 41. And he had like kind of like a midlife crisis and uh, went to law school and became a lawyer. And so my dad was, became a lawyer and I was like, I was kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know if bombastic story. I was very energetic and I like love to talk and I love to debate. So people were always telling me like, oh, you should be a lawyer. You know, you'd be a great lawyer. And then thankfully, probably the smartest decision of my life was wanting to not be a lawyer. And just, yeah, somewhere along the line in high school, you know, I just decided yeah, I'm not going to have a normal job and just writing seemed like, uh, yeah, I wrote for the high school paper and I applied to Missouri journalism school. And yeah, thankfully I just decided I didn't want a normal job and I actually somehow succeeded in not having a normal job. So, um, that's pretty, that's pretty good stuff. I know I went through plenty of phases of, uh, 
non-traditional jobs and uh i guess i'm here <laughs> i guess i'm here now so that's that's good stuff uh what was your first ever experience though like try trying did you ever have a job before working at roto world or was that did you die I with, did. Into it? with another fantasy sports company um so yeah I, so okay part of the high school paper that like kind of like confirmed that maybe i could do the writing thing so i went to the university of missouri journalism school where I was like very involved with, you know, it's a big J school. They have like all sorts of papers. So I was like very involved with all the papers. And for some, for some reason though in college, I didn't do any sports writing. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was kind of like secretly knew that I could do the sports writing. So I don't know if it was like a, like a subconscious way of like challenging myself but in college. I was like more like arts and entertainment. I was like the arts and entertainment editor of the independent student newspaper for a while. And so like, I wrote like almost the enti- like the entirety of my college career. But then when it came down to the wire, like the final few months, my senior year, we got to start applying for jobs. I basically like, exclusively applied for sports writing jobs. <laughs> and even though I basically had no clips in any of that or anything. And, um, oh yeah, I don't know. I've already left out the part. I was already huge in fantasy sports at this point too. And unbeknownst to me, as I was like getting down the stretch in college, I discovered a fantasy sports company in St. Louis, which I had no concept, I had no idea it existed called Fanball. Mm. It is, you probably don't know it existed because it went out of business uh, shortly after hiring me, but it was owned, owned by Liberty Media. It was like a real old school fantasy company. Then it got bought by Liberty Media at some point, which is direct TV or used to be now, I guess it's at t or whatever. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm, I've really lost focus here. It's hard to keep but, up with uh, all these companies. That's for sure. Before I wrote a world, long story short, didn't write about sports in college. I decided to write about sports even like when it came down to the wire. I got a sports job with a St. Louis-based company, and then I worked with them for like probably like a year and a half, and then they went out of business, and then I got my job at Roto World. Okay, so kind of backing up there a little bit. So you went to school and got a journalism degree, or do you went to a journalism school? I, I did. I went and actually got a degree in magazine journalism. And most people who get like a journalism degree will tell you it was like worthless or like it's not the like a uh, way to become a writer. And you definitely do not have to do it mm-hmm. to become a journalist or a writer. Like, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> like probably like 95% of my favorite writers like took no formal journalism training or whatever. But I was one of the few people who I did it and I found it very useful. And right. I, would, I would say it's not a bad career path. And I'm really I'm losing my train of thought, but yeah, I went to journalism school and enjoyed it. Yeah, what do you think it is that people? Because I was gonna obviously gonna ask you, like, because that is always a big debate. One of those like Twitter come to Jesus moments is when the entire timeline kind of starts debating whether journalism school is worth it, and you've got some on the side that you know went there and say it's not, some that say it is that went there. Like Patrick Labon was on this podcast, and you know he said it. He went there, and he always asked the question, like, well was it worth it to you or whatever? And obviously it was worth it uh, to you, but what do you think it is about the people that say that either, you know, didn't go and still say it's not worth it or the people that did go and say it's not worth it. What do you think that mindset is that causes that reaction? I I don't know, because it's probably what it boils down to is that it's really the most important part of being a good writer is obviously writing a lot, but I've found the entire time the most important thing is reading a lot. Like you, I feel like you have to read as much, if not more, than you write. And I get the feeling probably people who you know, admonish the J schools, they're, they probably kind of discovered the secret that, like, really, I mean, you learn, you learn so much more by just actually doing 
And so that's why J school is not necessary. But in J school, you do like to me, it helps provide structure and helps with some of the finer points. And probably maybe the most important part thing is like it, you like you get to work for like these papers and you like develop a sense of camaraderie with all the people and you make friends, you make future connections. And so that's probably the, the more important part of J school. And, you know, that's expensive for just that kind of thing. So that's why you definitely don't have to do it because the most important parts are reading and writing and you don't have to go to any school for that. But so, but yeah, I would say it helped with, uh, maybe for me, I just needed some kind of structure and like uh, some, something to funnel me on my career path. And I think J school uh, definitely succeeded in that regard. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything is not the same experience for everybody and everybody, yeah. you know, needs different things. Uh, That's probably a huge big takeaway from your podcast series is what I'm guessing is that no, no, I mean, no two paths are even remotely the same. Really, absolutely. There are some similar themes to all the episodes. Definitely, um, don't be an asshole is is yes. one that that gets brought up a lot. A good uh, one. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good one. Uh, and unique content. But yeah, you're right. Like it's all it's all different experiences that everybody brings on and, and shares. So getting getting into the part about Roto World, obviously, actually, and I'll give uh, an unsolicited plug here. You were on the uh, the Roto Viz. Uh, series the fantasy land that they just recently their last episode was about the roto like building the roto world empire yeah it's really good you guys should definitely if you if you listen if you like this podcast you'll you'll probably like that one too it's essentially like a better organized version of this <laughs> uh yeah maybe not this it's very, you know it's much more like like uh no this it's yeah two different things this is like the nice freewheeling open discussion that was like a always intended to be like a focused history so yeah definitely different yeah. Thing. definitely check it out yeah yeah for sure definitely check it out uh, yeah and organization and, and structure it's not a matt Harmon thing that it's for sure not a backyard banter podcast thing uh but kind of getting into that pat a little bit so obviously you went from this one company that went out to went out of business did you just see the job opening on roto world because like evan silva was obviously on here recently and his path to get in there was mostly through pestering it sounds yeah. like yeah so mine is a little different. So like, so yeah, my job at this old company was like doing the blurbs like we do at Roto World. Like it was a, so Fanball was like, it started as like an offline magazine. Like they would make previews for everything. But at some point it became a website. And I, I don't know when, it was clearly before I was there. I guess they decided to compete with Roto World on news blurbs. But the really, the main, the big problem was that they didn't have specialized blurb writers. So they had specialized blurb writers, but not for sports per sport. So I got hired to write blurbs, but I had to not only do football blurbs, I had to do baseball, hockey, and NBA blurbs. So you'd do like an eight or 10 hour shift and you would just be like scrounging for news, you know, on literally every sport. Like I'm doing blurbs about who's starting in goal for the Atlanta Thrashers tonight while also like catching up on like all the broken legs, the NFL or whatever. So like you have to cover this like immense amount of material. You know, there's just no way you can like, reasonably do it and stay up and everything so a lot of it basically involved going to roto world and stealing their links and so you know roto world's got all these nice football blurbs up and there's no way i could keep up with everything so you know i'm saying oh what does roto world got up so i find their link and then i was like oh i hadn't seen this yet because i've been reading about the nba and the nhl the past hour and a half so basically like by necessity i had became i became obsessed with roto world and I was like, yeah, I, I couldn't stay up on the news, but Roto World is always up on the news. So Roto World became, I read Roto World probably more than my own site. And that was like, you know, like 
like the, basically where I got my football news. So obviously I'm not, I wasn't stealing the, the hashtag takes, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I find, I see the news and that was the, okay, yeah, I got to write about this. So that's, that's how I first discovered Roto World was by, you know, straight up stealing their links. Nice. Well, hey, listen, I think a lot of us <laughs> still do that to this day. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. And it's nice to, yeah, to be part of the company now that like, we're, you know, obviously we're an aggregator when it comes to news. But, yeah, I, I no longer have to uh, – focusing on one sport obviously helps immensely in that. So, but, yeah, it's nice to now be the person who has his links stolen as opposed to stealing – shamelessly stealing the links. Yeah, that's how you know you've made it when you were one day doing the task that now others are doing to you. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So then anyway, so yeah, I was obsessed with Roto World. But then through like real like serendipity, and I think I kind of tell this story on the RotoViz podcast where I, uh, Evan Silva is from St. Louis, and but he's lived in Chicago the entire time I've known him. But through a friend of a friend of a friend, I was in a fantasy baseball league with Evan. And so like I had this like real flimsy connection to Evan, but I had like talked to him like a few times about like making trades or whatever. So I had talked to him like just enough to be able to like not be completely scared to like send him an email or whatever. And like, so like literally like the day Fanball went out of business, I sent uh, Evan and Drew Silva emails like, you know, listen, uh, my company's going out of business. Uh, I love Roto World. You know, I've got experience writing blurbs and, you guys need anybody and like basically like you know kind of like a total shot in the dark type thing but it just turned out yeah be like literally the exact right moment that they needed someone and so basically i got hired but to roto world without ever doing like anything resembling an interview Mm. like they're just like oh yeah i really need someone could you maybe like do like a tryout shift on sunday and then i did and that was kind of just got the ball rolling from there well the theme of that though the the takeaway there is to just do something to just do yeah. it because yeah. which, which is which is always an important theme but like to to your story you never know if the timing is actually completely yeah. perfect on their end which and like i have a, like like so that's like an unrepeatable career path like i basically sent an email on the exact right day but yeah so i mean I, it's not like i can be like oh what you got to do is wait for your company to go out of business and then literally <laughs> the day it does email evan because yeah i don't think we've hired anyone like that since then but yeah, I mean, well, the reason I was qualified to the job was, well, A, I had been blurbing for like, one of the only other sites that did blurbs, but, you know, you'll, like you said, you just got to do. I mean, like, if you're not writing, like, you'll never get hired anywhere. And even now in the industry, you won't get hired anywhere if you don't have, like, a nice backlog of writing and catalog mm-hmm. of writing. And the only way to get better at writing is, you know, doing writing. And the only way, and the only, and then you got to read the stuff you want to write about. So like, if you want to be like a football writer, you got to be reading around the league every day. You got to be reading Roto World blurbs every day. You got to be reading pro football talk every day. And like, just reading it, like the style and like what people are looking for kind of like subconsciously seeps in. So I don't know. I feel like I've been talking for five straight minutes. No, no, that's okay. I don't think you have. Um, To kind of to that point, what are some of the sites that you most enjoy reading or you feel helps you the most in growing as a writer what helps me the most in growing as a writer is not any like uh sports websites and it's probably like the casual reading i do in my spare time like uh just finished a book about napoleon uh i read a lot of like historical biographies uh Mm. i've been trying to read more fiction and 
that stuff just kind of helps because like any reading will provide some sort of inspiration, like subconscious or otherwise. And you'll like, and you like, you'll subconsciously take any, like any, anything that you read, you'll like subconsciously take things from it. Maybe just like a word, something as simple as a word or like, but yeah, what helps me the most, I think is, I think what's helped me the most as a, as a writer is to like, just read a ton. That's like, uh, my favorite hobby is reading magazines, books, uh, obviously lots of other sports content, but I think I could never impress upon people enough is to read as much as possible. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And I don't, I know as somebody that does not read enough, especially during the NFL season, it's like, I feel like I'm not, I'm not out here reading like two or three books a month. Like I probably read like six or seven books a year which is, you know, probably more than, like, the average person, but it's, like, by no means, like, some Herculean. I'm not, like, some, like, master reader or anything. And it's, like, it's, yeah, it's kind of a slog sometimes. And, yeah. yeah, I can't recommend reading enough. Yeah, even just reading other people's articles, like, even writers that I like in the football industry, like, it's yeah. hard. That's why I love, oh, yeah. that's why I love podcasts. <laughs> Keep up. And so, like, yeah, as an example of, like, kind of, like, what we're both trying to get at, I think. So, like, in college, I was the arts entertainment editor for the – the Maneater, the Mizzou, like, independent student newspaper. Like, a, this, like, a, a, a pretty big part of it was just doing things, like, as simple as running, like, CD reviews or movie reviews. And, like, it was so obvious when someone would come in and had, like, never read Rolling Stone or never read Blender or never read Spin. Like, they wanted to write about music, but, you know, when they wrote about it, it's, it sounded like they had never, like, they sounded like they had no concept of, like, what the style of music writing was. Whereas then someone would come in and you could tell that like, oh, this kid has probably read every review in Rolling Stone for the past five years. And it's the same thing with fancy football writing. Where like, if you're not reading enough of it, I mean, maybe you'll luck in like your own unique style. But I mean, there's certain rhythms, even amongst all the unique personalities in the industry, there's certain rhythms that people look for and certain kind of content that has to be there that you might, you just might not ever learn if you're not reading enough. Yeah, that's that's definitely for sure. So, what were your early days at Roto World like? What what were your you're obviously just blurbing and and different things yeah. like that. But but so is that is that mostly what you're doing there to begin with? Yeah, it was not very glamorous. Uh, so I was doing football and baseball, mm-hmm. but I was definitely in that stage of my life. Where this is another piece of advice. I hate giving advice, but like another piece of advice is when you're young, like I was then. I guess I was twenty four. Yeah, I was twenty four and. So like my, even though there were lots of things I wanted to say no to, I just said no to nothing. Like anything they asked me to do, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll blur uh, on Christmas night from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Like you just got to I just said yes to everything. So like the first few months I was there, I would literally work Friday nights. Then I worked 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturdays. Then I worked 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Sundays. And then I signed on again at 3.30 on Sundays to do baseball for like four or five hours. So basically every shitty thing they asked me to do, I just said yes. And, but so it sucked for like a year or two, but then, you know, you, you get better at your job, you become like a member of the team. And then, you know, now uh, before long, you're not working every waking hour of the weekend. So that's another thing is like, you gotta, you gotta say yes. I mean, if someone asks you to do something, you know, it's not, you know, you have no idea if, even if it seems like a crappy opportunity, you have no idea if even that crappy opportunity will ever present itself again. So don't view anything as too small to say yes to. 
Yeah, that that's definitely a great point. Something I think that uh, I, I've tried to do even even now, even still in my career, like anybody asks me to be on their podcast, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to make time for it, uh, which is actually pretty stressful. <laughs> I, should probably yeah, start, I, should probably, I should probably start saying no more often, <laughs> but whatever. That's I say yes to every podcast. The one thing I, I say no to too much and you have to start is for sure. I say no to like random radio hits like too much. I get like really nervous and daunted by going on radio shows I've never been on before because you you have no idea how the host some of the hosts like basically lob like the biggest softballs ever for you they'll give you like two or three sentences of an intro or it makes the answer so easy or then other ones will just be like ask like a one sentence question and like expect you to have like a bunch of stuff ready and yeah. so I don't follow my own advice with radio hits but everything else say yes. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, the radio is radio is tough, man. Like, especially because yeah. yeah, you never know. That's a great point. I never thought about that. Like, you never know what kind of style the host is going to be. Whether they're going to be somebody that like goes back and forth with you, or if they're just like, question now, give me an answer. Question now, give me an answer. Yeah, question, yeah, exactly. An and that's the hardest thing to do. The guys who just lob the rapid fire questions without yeah. interjecting any of their own and. I like doing the radio, but it's, yeah, to me, by far the most stressful part of the job. Whereas podcasts, you know, they're usually like, the, usually, you know, it's like one of my friends and it's more relaxed. And whereas the radio, I don't know, it's just not like that. Well, and I can tell you, and we were talking about this before we started recording, I can tell you and I are the same way that we're long talkers that explain things out and all that, that sort of stuff. And you, you can't be that way on the radio. And that's, no, all, yeah. I'm trying to get better I, at that I, too. I have but. a few like legitimately disastrous radio hits or like in the middle. <laughs> Like uh, sometimes the worst too is sometimes when you when you kind of have like you kind of know what they're gonna ask you about and you kind of have like a pre-planned answer in your head, then you kind of you kind of lose your wording a bit and you start fumbling and like really like just using way too many words to say something mm-hmm. simple or like you completely lose your train of thought and I've had a few genuinely disastrous radio edits. Yeah, and no, and that the fact that the one challenging part about the radio too is that for the most part these things are live. Like, yes, if you yeah. if you blow like if you were to blow it on this podcast right now, you could just be like, okay, take that out, Matt, and then you know I would. I've already done that ten times. You've taken out like ten different. That's true. Yeah, I've said. Yeah, that is true. Like that one, that one thing you said could have definitely gotten you fired. That's for I, sure. Just, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, it's, but, it's, yeah. I'm not, it's not even. even I'm gonna get into it. Yeah, let's not even go down that road. You've killed a lot of friendships here, but luckily it's all been edited out. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, it's 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 different on the radio because you say it, it's like, oh shit, that's that's out there now. Yep. Yeah, that's, and that's all the people of Indianapolis think you're a moron. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was listening to the Living the Stream podcast this morning. Um, uh, well, I was walking my dog, and and JJ was joking about all these cities he can't go into anymore because he's sort of <laughs> like Oakland, the Derek Carr take, uh, Indianapolis Star quoted him about Andrew Luck or whatever. Oh my god! Now he can't go to Dallas because he's <laughs> who's he truthing now? Well, it was it was uh, it was the Ezekiel Elliott thing. I had to figure it had to be Zeke. Well, yeah. another quick aside on the radio is like too you go so like you go on like a radio show in Indianapolis and like. You know, the Indianapolis guys, you know, their job is to know everything about the Colts. So sometimes, like, you get caught off guard because something to them that just seems like secondhand knowledge, you know, you can just, like, freeze. And in the moment, you're like, I have no idea who the Colts' right guard is. It needs to be upgraded. (laughs) Whereas to them, you know, they know everything about all their teams. So that's that's always been – that's never happened to me, really. But that's always been, like, 
like my biggest moment of panic. Like, are they going to ask me about some guy that I clearly should know something about and I just know nothing about them? And, but so yeah, when you're dealing with like a hyper focus, they, they, they have a hyper focus and that can be daunting sometimes. Yeah. Luckily the only uh, radio show that really ever asked me to be on consistently is the guys WFNZ in, uh, in Charlotte shouts to those guys. Uh, they asked me to be on a lot and I know pretty much the Panthers backwards and forwards, un- unfortunately, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Pat kind of getting back to you and, and Rotor world. The one thing that I, and I obviously talked to Evan about this on the, on the show and, and you guys talked about it on that road of his podcast as well. There's a unique style to the Roto World blurbs, and I think you guys are very well known and famous. And and Evan on his episode said that you uh, you're the best at at writing the blurbs for a number of different reasons, uh, and and it's that element of like a little bit of snark and kind of keeping things fresh. I know most most people obviously celebrate that and think it's cool and kind of freshens things up. Other people I've have you know have I've interacted with have said they don't like it. What what do you, why do you think that that is important and, and to do in in the blurb writing business first off evan is still the best blurb writer like he 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 will claim it's me but he's evan's like one of the great evan's such an amazing writer and he sets the standard still in every area of road world including blurb writing but you know to me like the the snark the style or whatever you certainly can't overdo it like you can't have every single blurb having you know so much hashtag mountain dew attitude or uh hashtag edge but like you know you can get boilerplate news anywhere and like it's like what the sets hopefully sets a roto world blurb apart is it's not just like this perfunctory reciting of the information and we try to give our honest takes and we try to make you know you want you want it to be entertaining to read is that like such a bad thing like it's gotta you can read and you, you can read 10 different places on the internet about Dante Moncrief having turf toe surgery, but you come to Roto World because hopefully it's slightly more entertaining to read. Maybe hopefully, the news hopefully is better facts, better, more interesting things. But yeah, I mean, you can read like the straight up boilerplate NFL news anywhere. And like, I always think, I think it's one of the reasons why Roto World is so popular. It's just, it's not just like this robotic regurgitation of news. Yeah. And it's never like you guys go so far as to like spin the news in any way. No, no. And like, we try some Nick Minzio doesn't always succeed, but we try to keep it lighthearted. You know, we're not out there like with vendettas or like trying to like hurt people's feelings. You know, I'm sure we have, but we try to keep it genuine. You know, it's football, it's sports and it's not life or death here. And, you know, should have a little fun reading football news. So try to keep it lighthearted. Yeah. You know, it has to be informative first and foremost. But yeah, if there's a little joke every once in a while, it's a really good thing. Yeah, don't take don't take this so seriously. It's a it's a game about a game, as as JJ said on his episode. Oh yeah, football football Twitter man can be obviously I love football Twitter, but mm-hmm. it can be a bit over serious. And yeah. like, uh, yeah, I probably try too hard, but you know, I like trying to bring a little humor to the the football Twitter. And, For sure. Uh, yeah, and it's just yeah, it doesn't need to be so serious. I mean, we're, we're literally all love writing about a sport. A, it's a sport. B, it's only sixteen games a year. I mean, you gotta fill the the time with something. You can't just yeah, we're not. It's, you know, it's not all like yeah. I don't, we, I'm just re, rehashing what I already said, but yeah, it can be a little levity when you're writing about freaking football. Yeah, for sure. And it's, well, it's it's like Uncle Chaps says, uh, football's not a game. <laughs> 
what, what is he? Is that all he says? Yeah, football is not a game. <laughs> Being chaps, I thought there has to be. I thought there had to be a kicker of some sort. No, that is that is the kicker because because uh, it is a game. I guess I gotta have I gotta have chaps on the podcast sometime, like just to complete throw a wrench into this whole thing. Like, well, uh, chaps is not only funnier and goofier than all of us. He's also, I mean, uh, had a much more serious previous career than any of us. <laughs> As a United States Marine, I believe, right? So yeah, yeah. To say Chaps is a unique story, it'd probably be underselling him a bit. Yeah, for sure. So he'll he'll definitely be on the show, which will be great. Like, how do you become a sports writer, or how do you become one of the greatest internet trolls of all time? <laughs> how do you become uh, having ESPN reading your fake Olivier Vernon report on air? I'll like, talk, talk about that for two hours, Chaps. Yeah, talk about uh, talk about serious. That was yeah, that was yeah, serious the reaction business. To that was swift condemnation uh absolutely thank you uh thank you espn that was that was well, that was one of the best days ever i i yeah that's tremendous I mean, it was it was genuinely surreal i felt a little bad when they're all, all on tv you know like so earnestly <laughs> providing this analysis but uh, how the jags front seven has improved so much in these past yeah it, it is, it's clearly humiliating but again it's fun it, it is football, but the funny part is like seeing, you know, obviously working at NFL now, like seeing the, um, seeing the process of like how things go to, to get from Twitter to then on TV. Like I couldn't believe that nobody, and I, I don't know why we're talking about this right now, but like, I couldn't believe that at no point somebody's like, wait a second. That's not Jay Glazer's tweet. Like, yeah, that's no, like no, no, wait, saying, is it pretty stringent at NFL or is it, is it looser than maybe you expected? Like fewer oh. barriers between Twitter and TV than you were expecting, maybe. Uh, I would not say it's it's fewer. To I, me, I would... it's been it's always been kind of stunning. Where I feel like is the the higher I've got in the industry, but, but industry meaning going back to like my college days, where like everything I wrote got edited like four or five times. To now, I mean, basically after being at Roto World for five years, I, mean, I can basically write whatever I want and put it on the site, like with. To say very little editing. Uh, oh well, it depends on where. It depends on. This is a this is a great little sidebar too. It depends on what your department is. Uh, like, if it's for something to get on NFL Total Access, it has to go through a few uh, a few meat grinders first. Uh, that's probably good. To get on NFL.com/slash/fantasy, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great, and I don't know what week it is. I wish I could mention it. Um, and like I said, nobody, nobody that, that would care would listen to this podcast, but there's a, there's a, one of the, like we do a player by player, like breakdown matchup articles. There's one week where when Jimmy Graham was healthy and he would just like, you could just never predict what he was going to do this year. Marcus wrote his player preview in there and all he wrote was the shrug emoji. And like, <laughs> cause like I was the one that like, I was like me or somebody else was the one that edited it. And I was just like, well, that's going, I mean, that's going right through. Yeah, it's got to go through, obviously. We yeah. Started, yeah, at Roto World now, like, well, I was saying that we started occasionally using hashtags and blurbs. I don't know oh, if yeah. people have noticed that. but That's, that's tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> and no. also, yeah, even, even Roto World blurbs have to abide by some sense of decorum and decency. And there have been times where I wish the analysis could literally just be K period or lol period. <laughs> I've thought about doing it once or twice in the past, but I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, yeah, right. Like a, a super coach speaky thing. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, the Titans, okay. Dexter McCluster's going to get ten to fifteen touches per game this year. 
And then I wish my analysis could just be K, period. <laughs> I haven't quite worked up the courage to do that yet. Now that'll be the day. Uh, so now if I ever see, if I'm ever scrolling through Roto World and it hasn't gotten flagged already, I would, I would see. It will be me, it will be me yes. Would, yeah, it's definitely you. Uh, that, that is kind of, that is pretty funny. So kind of actually somewhere somewhat getting back to i don't really ever know if we had a point but some somewhere getting back to this whole thing um you mentioned that obviously like you started off strictly writing blurbs how did you ever get to the point where you know you started to kind of take on more than that like now you do the rankings article every week there at roto world um how did you kind of start getting more onto your plate well i started just because there was stuff that that needed to be done and like no one wanted to do like probably the first I was only strictly blurbs for probably like two-ish months, but then like the baseball season rolled around. And, you know, Road World, we do have a premium section, obviously, with premium content, premium articles. And a lot of times those are like uh, – the premium articles are always very good on the baseball side, but a lot of times it's like not super glamorous work. It's like a lot of like kind of like numbers crunching type stuff and like just kind of more like – uh, it's not, not glamorous work too. It's behind a paywall, so, you know, like not everyone's going to be able to see it. And so sometimes I feel like it maybe it was hard for them to find people to do it, but I got offered to do like two, like kind of like just like, I can't remember what they were. It was called, one was called the impact report. I have no idea what even like the thesis of the article is supposed to be. But so yeah, I just came back to, again, agreeing to do stuff, even if I didn't want to do it. So I agreed to do these two premium articles. No one really wanted to do, I think the premium chat that year, for some reason I was like, I'll do the chat. Mm. I love to do the chat. And so yeah, that's just, I said yes. I put as much on my plate as humanly possible at one point and hoped I'd be allowed to keep some of it there. And thankfully, I was good enough at some of it to keep some of it there. It's a long story short of how I expanded my repertoire at Roto World. Now, that, that makes sense. I think I feel like I've subconsciously done the same thing at, at, at different points in my little career. Uh, I always like to air quotes that. I, I, I should definitely air quotes my career. Too. Yeah, my, my, my job. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's very true. Uh, so how did you ever get, I mean, and this is actually just kind of me being curious less more so than anything. Uh, you mentioned like you had, you were very into baseball and all that. What made you kind of go down the football section? Was that your own choice or was that like the company's choice? Did they well, you know, get better at it? Football of course is the most popular I mean, what it, I really just wanted you to say that. No, of course, that's part of it. What it really came down to is that the football guys just took, you know, took a shine to me. And, like, Evan Evan has definitely been, like, my mentor. Mm-hmm. And, like, Evan disliked my writing. Chris Wessling, I think, liked my writing. I uh, mm-hmm. hope you did, Chris. Uh, and I, I love the baseball guys. I love DJ Short. I love Drew Silva. I love Ryan Boyer. But for whatever reason, just more quickly formed, like, a rapport – with the football side and I probably did both sports for like two years. But then, so then I think my third year at Rotor World, I was down to only one baseball article and Evan like went to my boss without like, without telling me and just goes, take him off the baseball article. He's, he's going to be all football from here on out. And this is kind of how it happened. So drop the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's good. I, obviously I love baseball. I still love baseball to this day. That's another thing. If you're going to be a writer, you know, it helps to have a specific focus and can't, dividing your attention between two sports, obviously, might be, in theory, fun for you, but you might be missing things from the other sport and you're not cultivating maybe a strong and possible audience as you could with maybe your stronger sport. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, fake sports is like real sports where at some point you probably got to specialize. 
No, yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, kind of winding down here, just a few more few more questions for you, uh, Pat. Uh, one thing, just kind of interesting. If if I, I would say that of the people that cover fantasy sports, and there's a lot of interesting and unique personalities, I would say you you have a you have a very well like crafted personality and like this you're, you're like you mentioned your sense of humor like you're you're very obviously a very funny person and uh and all I, that. I actually don't know if i am but i definitely uh, attempt to. well I, I just said it and it's my podcast so that makes it true well, i appreciate it <laughs> but so did, what are you just kind of one of those guys that's just like you're just being yourself all the time or does that like any thought ever go into that like i you know remember listening to you on like the two mugs podcast with Rumford Johnny and him like always pointing out like your little quips or and this or that. Is there, is there any like crafting that goes into that or are you just kind of well, like, I mean, for, I guess for better or worse, for some reason, I like, I like literally think and quips, I guess. And, mm. uh, I, yeah, I, there's no real planning or foresight that goes into that it, for some reason. So yeah, I've always been obsessed with sports. I guess at some point I got obsessed with trying to be funny and it's just like a, like a, maybe like a, a new, I don't know what's the word. What's a different word for subconscious besides subconscious? But it's like this became like a chemical yeah, focus for me at some point to try to be funny. So my brain now like seems to be wired. It's like the the best option is always the funniest option. I have no idea why, but yeah, I, I basically think in quips. Like when I'm not on the podcast, I'm just like looking at things and like trying to make jokes about my fan and about like this coffee mug with a rooster on it this dumb stupid rooster oh that's um, precious yeah it actually is i love it um hopefully uh, ever hopefully everybody's watching the youtube broadcast to see that if not that you're really missing out that's for yeah. sure being funny uh, i have no idea how any advice on being funny uh it just kind of happened i don't know why well there are definitely some people in this life that are not funny uh yeah oh yeah have like oh, no, yeah. no real comedic sense of humor <laughs> I say a lot of the fantasy fantasy industry can be. I say there are a lot of big personalities, and there are also some personalities where well, you know the, it, you need some dry, sober analysis too. So, yeah, some people are purely numbers based, and some people are more uh, concerned with uh, making bad jokes than giving good fantasy advice. So yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get a, a tweet retweeted, uh, you know, 500 times or something like that. That's really <laughs> all my goal with any with any piece of advice out there. I thought that happened like literally twice. I feel like it should have happened more. I'm really bitter about that. But, the only the hey, honestly, the only time that like I ever had a funny tweet like go off was well, I, I tweeted uh, I think when the Panthers beat the Seahawks this year and there was that like really perfect shot of Richard Sherman and, and Cam Chancellor kind of looking up at the camera and with these like exasperated faces I tweeted that out you know and like you know the reaction like this is when Cam Newton carves you up or whatever and Greg Rosenthal and the around the NFL account retweeted and I was like I couldn't get on the internet for like, oh three, yeah three. when you have a successful tweet it's like uh, it's like I've never I've never been a like uh, never much of a substance user, but when you have a really successful tweet, I have to imagine it's what it's like being like as high as humanly possible. Like it's like being <laughs> on my cloud, like 40 and you have a tweet that takes off and like, yeah, I just check in your mentions and like, yeah, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. Basically. That's what I live for. That's like all I live for at this point. Seriously. I'm just here for, for like the like little cry emojis to get put in front of my tweet. Like that's, that's, <laughs> That's all it that's all this life is really about. Other than that, other other than that, I think I've accomplished plenty of stuff. Just that's what I'm those are the most now you, have, you have seen, now you have accomplished you have accomplished like all seriousness, you've accomplished something really important. 
we're like, I'm still kind of working on this. We're like, you need to have, if you're going to be like a writer, you need to have something you can be Googled for. Like, mm. not just a name. Like, you, Matt Harmon, can be Googled Matt Harmon Reception Perception. And like, that's probably, that might be a good way if you're trying to make a name for yourself. Like, think of something you could be, like, a kind of article you can become known for. I guess at this point, I'm Patrick Darty Rankings, which isn't really that exciting in the fantasy industry. But, like, if, yeah, if you can try obviously you should try to find your own niche. I mean, that's like really standard advice, but like that's, that's something I started thinking about one day. It was like, what could I be Googled for? Like if someone was typing in Patrick Darty and like, if I wanted them to type something other than just Rotor world, like I need something I can be Googled for like Evan Silva matchups, mm-hmm. Matt Hartman, reception, perception, Patrick Darty rankings. And like, so maybe, I don't know if you're kind of stuck with your writing, try to think of something that you could become Googleable for. Yeah, that's a really good, really tremendous piece of advice and also checks off the uh, box of you have to compliment me at least once on the show. So uh, <laughs> there you go. That is that is something that has to happen every episode. It's a requirement. So if you're if you're out there, you want to be a guest on this podcast, remember that. <laughs> I'm- yeah, save up a really good one. Yeah, you can't. No one else can uh, compliment reception perception from now on either. I've claimed that one. I think everybody's done that. No, yeah, there's not really right. many, there's not really many other nice things to say about me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rest of it is. Rest I actually of- love the sweater. Uh, oh, thank you. This is one of my favorite sweaters. A female complimented it once, so I'm like, okay, this must be a good one. That's we've never taken it off, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take five more. Thank you. Uh, no, but Pat, I just kind of a few more, like I said, a few more questions here. And, and this one I've, I've just been asking people a lot recently. And for whatever reason, I've, I've enjoyed, I no idea if any of you people listening to, but like, what's something that you see in the, in the industry or, you know, on Twitter, the way people interact, we obviously already talked about like people being too serious, but what's something that you see out there that you don't like or wish would change about, about our world? Oh Not the world at large, just the yeah, no, don't worry. world. Uh, well, the thing about Donald Trump is uh, oh, here we go. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't what are, I don't know what my hangups with football Twitter are. Football Twitter, I feel like the sense of camaraderie has been really big, kind of in the fan, fantasy football Twitter lately. Um, I don't see as much petty sniping as I used to. Maybe those people have kind of been like weeded out. Um, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I guess maybe anyone who annoys me, I just mute them. Yeah. But, which is muting things kind of dumb. It's cowardly. Uh, you should just unfollow someone if you don't like them. But I've got a few muted people. Yeah, I've I've definitely mostly. If you if you remember, if anybody listening remembers, I did make the unfollow flow chart a few uh, a few months back. Uh, so there's you can always refer to that if you need to uh, if you need to help <laughs> on unfollowing somebody. Um, but there's yeah I. I mute more so mute people like for some reason. And this is annoying. And I, I don't know why I do this, but like I like to mute people more than block them. Like not people that like people I follow, but people that follow me and then like say shitty stuff. And oh, oh. I'll block, I'll, I'll, I'll mute them because I feel like I don't want them to know that they got on my nerves so yeah, much yeah. that I had to block them. Yeah. I have the same philosophy only. I don't, I don't mute them either. I just, yeah, the people that like will not stop like tweeting shit at me. Yeah. I just I don't I don't even block them anymore. I I blocked like a few. The only people I've ever, ever really actually blocked are the people that will just it doesn't necessarily have to be like super mean spirited, but the people who have not ever like stopped tweeting at me, like every single tweet, and like you know usually in some negative fashion. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those people are intolerable. Like, really, the only like you have to really, really be bad for for me yeah. to, for me to block you. Like, if you say some really racist, really homophobic, or like you say the R word in my mentions, I'm probably going to block you. Like that type of shit is intolerable to me. But yeah, like I had one guy yesterday, like I, cause I said that John Brown greater than Brandon cooks or whatever. And he would not like, he sent me literally, I think 15 tweets and like, could tell he was like getting annoyed more and more that I wasn't responding. Yeah. 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 Uh, so like, all the people, yeah. You don't even necessarily have to be a huge jerk, but if you like can't stop with a torrent of tweets, that's probably the only person I'll let block anymore. Whereas yeah. now even like, when they say like the super awful mean stuff, I don't even block them anymore. Cause I feel yeah. like that just bothers them more than like actually blocking them. So yeah. like I said, I try to abide by just complete ignoring. Yeah. That's and, why I like the mute. Cause they don't know that you did it. And like, yeah. they're just kind of screaming into the void. And I probably should mute. So then I don't see it anymore. That's what I, ha- I have to do. Cause, cause I'm the, yeah. Cause I'm the type of person, like if I see it long enough, like I'll want to respond. And, I know. I know. I thankfully with the Twitter, I have a, you know, like a reputation for being like, you know, I guess like snarky or sarcastic or whatever, but I try to, on Twitter, you know, I, I try to avoid feuds. It's just stupid. Yeah. Like huge arguments. So I, I think sometimes there used to be like a, a misconception that I was like mixing it up a lot on Twitter, but I really, I try to avoid anything. Like I try to be funny, but I try to avoid any sort of feud or like, like stupid, dumb argument. It's just not, it's just not, it's a, it's a poor use of Twitter.com. Yeah, that's for sure. Even like, honestly, just like player debates on on Twitter. Like, I've I've sworn myself off of debates that I know that pre debate I know are gonna go. I think this way. Well, I think this way. Well, I know it's we, like it's we, like pure, it really is like purely political at this point. We're like, yeah. you know, you're not gonna change your your crazed neighbor's mind about the politician you like, and it's unfortunately. Seriously became the same come the same thing with john brown and brandon cooks hey, yeah right exactly like yeah the, yeah well, we could oh, well, I haven't really delved. oh sorry no 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 go ahead no this is this is way too off topic but i haven't really delved into yet to why uh brandon cooks is so unpopular this off season <laughs> so unpopular or popular unpopular i've seen lots of people doing hashtag exposures of him oh really huh i mean uh, this is yeah this is very off topic uh but but I don't know. I, I think that I see, I find it the other way. I find that he's like an incredibly popular player. Like anytime you tweet any that like Brandon cooks, Twitter is fierce. <laughs> Dude, they will, they will come, they will come for you. No, I just, I've noticed a lot of like my, like the respected members of fantasy football, Twitter kind of going in on Brandon cooks. Lately. I, I need to investigate this more. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's as good as other people think he is. Essentially is essentially like my point with him. Like, 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 he was such a weird year because I feel like people like really kind of expecting him. I thought people went into the year thinking it was like super overhyped, which he was. Yeah. People were kind of waiting for him to just be awful, but they ended up actually being pretty good. Well, I guess, and this is, this breaks my, you know, no real football talk rule on the podcast, but just to, I guess to my two cents on it would be that like, when he was kind of early in the season, when he was like their number one, like only real option in the passing game, yeah. you know, that was, he like, was, that was like his worst part yeah. of the whole season. You're right. Like I remember Patrick Peterson, like just pressed the hell out of him. He couldn't yeah. ever get open against the guy. And like when defenses looked at it like that, Cook struggled. But then when Watson, Willie Sneed, those guys emerged, then Cook started to produce because I think he's That's just a really good point. Yeah. 
now I understand. And sorry, yeah. I, God forbid, I, we should not have sidetracked the podcast. End of sidetracked a couple of fantasy football writers talking yeah. about football. No, that was bad. That's bad taste, Pat. But and I'm yeah, we're ending the podcast right now. No, but uh, but seriously, th- thank you so much for your time, Pat. I always give the guest one last shot at the floor on the show before I yank it out from under you. So. Anything you want to say before we get out of here, the floor is yours. One story I wanted to share, I'm pretty sure Evan said this on your podcast, where a really odd similarity I never knew I had with Evan, I don't think it was the road of his podcast, I think it was making him on your podcast, where he said growing up, where he would like create like elaborate, like fake careers for like fake players, or like Mm. he would like create his own personal little statistics and... I did that. Like I had like notebooks full of like fake players and I would like come up with the stats for like their entire career or I would like come up, I would like come up with stats for like an entire season, like an entire football season, entire basketball season. Like I would do like every game for like a fake made up team in my head. And I just was very shocked to hear that Evan also did the same thing. And that's apparently the secret to success is, uh, you got to be a bit of a weirdo growing up and have notebooks full of fake uh, sports stats. Yeah, man. No, well, being a weirdo growing up, I at least definitely fit into that archetype of. Yeah, I think uh, we probably all did. So. Uh, yeah, we're all we're all definitely a bunch of dorks that just happen to have a platform now. That's. I think yeah, I think that's unfortunately uh, about as fair a characterization as you probably could have had. Uh, <laughs> That, that that does seem to be the case well again pat thank you so much for your time this was this was a, a great conversation i think people really are going to enjoy it and especially because i edited all those inflammatory things you said yes. about it. <laughs> please god yeah i mean don't even send that in a text to me afterwards like i can't believe you said that we don't we, we can't have any recorded that can't no. be recorded anywhere that that happened Absolutely. Certainly. Thank you. So it, it has been taken care of and, and everybody listening, thank you again so much for, for tuning in. It's always pretty incredible that you guys continue to listen to this show as much as you do. So definitely thank you guys. And, and please, you know, show your appreciation by sharing the show, rating and reviewing on iTunes, all that good stuff, you know, the deal. But again, thank you all so much for listening and I hope you learned something today. <laughs>